Review and Renew, the Jersey Business Podcast. Hello and welcome to this, the final episode of Review and Renew, a series of podcasts brought to you by Jersey Business in association with Channel 103. Throughout this series, we've been exploring ways that we can make our businesses better and stronger from remote working to innovating change. In each podcast, we've had two invited guests mining their knowledge and expertise. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Jersey Business Leading Growth Programme, and I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Watts and Graham Smith. Sam is Managing Director of the Marketing and Communications Agency, Orchid Communications, which she founded nearly 20 years ago. She's a former board member of Visit Jersey, and four years ago started a second business, Sleepwell Milk, which produces and sells drinks that help you sleep. Graham Smith is the Chief Executive of Jersey Business, responsible for leading the organisation and the overall development and delivery of its objectives and strategy. He also works extensively with government and partner agencies to develop collaborative working practices to support economic growth and sustainability. Welcome both. Graham, I'd like to start with you. What makes a great business leader, do you think? Is being a leader a single quality or is it a sum of many parts? Oh, good question to start off with. I think a great leader is a sum of many parts in, in different ways. And it's not just about the P&L results. It's not just about purely developing a team. It's a whole range of things. And it's interesting. When I think of great leaders, I think of great teams. In reality, a leader does not have to be the best at everything they do but they have to be great at developing people and maximising the individual's potential. You know, if you have 10 members of staff and you can get 10 members of staff all working 100% and really effectively, that's far more efficient than a leader who perhaps is an expert in one field. But it's a, it's a range of different skills in terms of how you deliver it uh, rather than one thing. But good leaders look at the team below them in terms of their strengths. And if you see really strong individuals who perhaps could even be better in the long run than the leader, that's a great leader. One other thing for me is, Leaders have to really get a positive feeling from seeing their team develop to their maximum potential. It's not just about them, it's about the team that they build. Yeah, I'd add to that. I think by its nature, being a leader calls on you to both lead yourself, lead your business and lead your people. And in order to do that, you have to have a number of skills. It's not a one-dimensional role. In terms of leading the business, yes, you need to be strategic. You have to have a handle on the figures. And if you can't do figures, you need to know who to go to to be able to translate that for you. A leader of yourself, you have to be able to consistently motivate yourself and think about how how do you protect yourself during times of challenge? How do you remain resilient so you can be the best leader for your team? And then, as Graham says, being a leader of people. And that requires maybe the softer skills very often, which I think have come to the fore during COVID. Things like empathy, listening, communication skills. So it's massively a sum of a number of individual parts and not just one single element. Interesting to hear that. I always remember um, watching the Fast Show. And if you Google it, Fast Show and Manic Football Manager. And it's a classic uh, uh, video piece where at halftime, the, the team's down 3-0, the manager comes in and he starts to talk to the first player who happens to be a tough Glaswegian. Very strong accent he, talk, he talks to in terms of motivation. The next person is German, so it's very controlled and the next person is French, so it's very flowing. And to me, that's an ability to adapt to different styles. There's two things. One, it's valuing a team of, of different skill sets as opposed to everyone being the same, but also in terms of how a leader can motivate those different skill sets. As a leader, you have to be, in some ways, use different styles with different individuals. And I think that that's a sign of a strong leader. 
COVID has probably been the biggest challenge to our leadership skills in our working lives. This question to both of you, really, because I think you'll bring a different perspective. What do you think have been the most important lessons? So obviously for you, Graham, you've been working with a multitude of businesses. What sort of lessons do you think those businesses are learning? And Sam, as the leader of a single business, what lessons do you think you have learned as a leader of a single business? So Graham, if I could start with you. I think this has been true of our business and also how we've tried to help businesses. And it's how do you deal with a crisis situation? And this was a crisis situation that none of us had experienced before. And the way I liken it to is, is you go through various stages. And the first stage is often shock in terms of how you deal with that. The next phase is often anger and frustration in terms of what this is about. Then you, you relatively quickly start to move on to how do you plan your way through this? How do you operationalize? How do you adapt and change this? And the last stage, which I think is the stage we're starting to think about now, is the recovery stage. Uh, Jersey Business, we, we had to do that because we recognised straight away we couldn't deliver our support and services the way we did. A lot of it was face-to-face. So it really tested whether our website was fit for purpose. It really tested our ability to work from home. And that then started to throw up things like, how do you maintain a high level of team spirit in terms of how you operate? But it was, in many ways, it was a bit of the burning bridge that really tested how you worked and how you operated. And you then started to get onto a, a situation where initially you didn't have all the answers and you didn't have all the solutions. And that's for business leaders is quite difficult sometimes. We like to plan, we like to be organised, we don't like shocks and what have you. This taught you how you would handle a crisis. So in many ways, we're probably far better placed in the future in terms of if another crisis comes along, how we adapt to those. You also have to think of yourself because actually business leaders get busy very quickly. One of the things I'm really keen to do in the current years to develop health and well-being support for business leaders, because we're often the last people to think about our own health and well-being. I learned that lesson through that period that I had to think about myself and my team. And whilst we try and help businesses to be fit and ready, we ourselves had to be fit and ready. Otherwise, we couldn't help the businesses. So there's quite a bit of kind of internal personal reflection, which is a good thing. I think for me, COVID didn't necessarily introduce new leadership challenges. It just massively concentrated the challenges you often face as a leader or the the things that you need to deal with. So overnight, you need to be absolutely on top of the figures in your business, cash flow. Was your business going to survive? What were the issues you were facing? You needed to be really empathetic to a team who were fearful, who were wondering what was going on, who were discombobulated. What a great word. It's my, my word of COVID. Because they were suddenly working remotely. They were working in different ways. All those things that you would normally have time to get around. If you were presented with one issue, suddenly overnight, you were potentially presented with an awful lot of issues. And so you had to respond and react. And I absolutely agree with with Graham's thing. Very often as the leader, you feel like you have to have all the answers and a big learning from me. And it was really interesting talking recently to a client about how they managed through this crisis, because it has been a crisis and it continues to be a crisis to an extent. And they took stock and said, as a leader, I can't have all the answers. It's, it's going to be impossible. And it was okay to show vulnerability. And that's hard as a leader to show vulnerability because you feel like somehow you'll lose face, you'll lose respect. Actually, I think you probably get more respect by going, actually, guys, this is new for me too. I don't have all the answers. 
and you sit down and you say, how can we work through this together? And you, I know a lot of people have, have formed much stronger teams as a result of it. But then you do need to step up as leader and make the ultimate decision and say, OK, based on all of the above, what are we going to do to move forward? So I think there were lots of lessons learned. And I think it concentrated those skills that you needed. And I think also particularly the softer skills element. You might have always been really hot on business planning and strategy and goals, etc. But you might not have been so great on communication, empathy and those softer elements. And I think they were, the, to a great extent, the things that got a lot of people through and a lot of teams through. And then you were also having to be empathetic sometimes remotely. You couldn't do it face to face. There were whole new challenges with that. So I think there were a lot of lessons learned. And I just hope that as leaders, we give ourselves time to step back, get off the dance floor, sit on the balcony for five minutes or half an hour and go, OK, what were the bits that we learned that we actually want to take forward with us? Because a lot of good has come out of COVID. It's forced us to do things differently. And it hasn't always been a bad thing. This is the Review and Renew podcast from Jersey Business. You both in your answers mentioned skills there. And this is an old adage, but I love to quote them. Some are born to lead while others have leadership thrust upon them. During this crisis, both are probably true, actually, of a lot of people who who are leading organisations, teams, businesses. But whichever you are, you still need to arm yourselves with those skills, the right skills and tools. You've described a little bit what they are, but what do you think they are? And and how do people go about accumulating those skills? You can look at it in terms of training courses, books and what have you. That can help in terms of giving a framework in terms of how you can operate. But the word that's important to me is the framework, because I think it's about a leader. Ultimately, it's the culture which you help develop within your business. and. It's the culture that people who have real potential want to work for. They want to work for an organisation and a leader that has a culture that makes them feel engaged, empowered and can develop into. So to me, I think there's a framework which can help you in terms of how you operate. It can serve as a checklist in terms of sometimes you can be very confident, very positive, but you need that challenge in terms of once you get comfortable in an environment, the next phase is you get lazy. So actually, then you can start to see the slippage there. So you need to find ways of consistently challenging yourself as a leader in terms of how you keep developing the business. But I think the culture to me is, is when I look at other businesses, it's the culture of that team that really shows to me a successful leader has built and how they maintain that. How do they maintain the culture? Interestingly, I often say there's a startup culture as well. So we work a lot with with a number of startup businesses, and I find that very invigorating because they're having to do lots of different jobs and activities that they do, manage the costs. Often what happens when they're successful and they get bigger is it becomes a bit like the oil tanker that actually there's administration, there's group around us and what have you. I try and persuade the businesses, you need to keep trying to find ways of thinking like a small business owner in terms of challenge, innovation in terms of what you do. And that's how, to my mind, you can build a strong business, but then maintain that strong business as a leader. Sam, you've been through the Leading Growth Programme. What were the key takeaways for you? It's interesting. I think there are different types of leaders as well. And I think my twin brother is a leader within a very large international organisation, and he has around him an infrastructure of support and skills development and almost a leadership style that is in keeping with the business that he works for. I'm a, an entrepreneur who's started my own business. And so I'm a leader, but I feel like there's maybe sometimes more pressure on me because I'm 
having to do the business a lot of the time as well as run the business. And so the skills, your point about the skills is when you set up in business, you very often do it because you know you're good at this thing and you now want to do it for yourself and build your own enterprise. But you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what it takes to be a leader. And I feel slightly uncomfortable even being on the podcast talking about being a leader because I think, you know, that whole imposter syndrome is like, am I? I feel as though I'm making it up a lot of the times I go along. And so the leading growth program has been brilliant for me because we've got to a stage in our business. As you say, we're nearly 20 years old. We have growth aspirations. We're moving into the UK. And that brings with it challenges and knowledge and skills that I don't feel I necessarily have in order to make the right decisions and to try and avoid making big, expensive mistakes. And so the Leading Growth Programme has given me that framework that I needed. It was a sense check. It made me realise, actually, I probably know more than I thought I did. But then also there are areas that I don't know. And it signposted me to be able to go and find that. And as I say, back to the point I said originally, there's kind of those three core areas, leader of self, leader of business and leader of people. And those are the three pillars that you, you learn on the Leading Growth Programme. So it's been an incredibly valuable course to be a part of. And I would certainly recommend it. I'm not here to do an ad for it, but I, I would recommend that people seek it out. Graham, I want to pick up on something you said earlier. Presumably, once you're in a leadership position or you are a leader, you have to keep developing because you don't reach leadership level and then that's it for life. But that's really challenging. And, and you said that leaders need to make time for themselves. How do they do that? Because there is this, as you've both mentioned, this habit of just saying, well, I have to do everything, you know, because I am the leader. But that's, that's not how it should be, is it? No, it's not easy. I think when you build your career, you, you tend to have areas of real strength. There's a phrase I use, which is play to your strengths and understand your weaknesses. And what we're all guilty of, though, if we ever do a psychometric testing or when we're growing through the organisation, a performance review, we tend to look at the weaknesses and focus on developing those and improving those. It's human nature. You look at any analysis of any really top leaders, they have real spikes in terms of real strengths and they focus on, on using those strengths for maximum effect, but they recognise their weaknesses. So sometimes uh, how you deal with the weaknesses is, is to recognise where your weaknesses lie and perhaps build the team up so that actually they support you in those areas. And a leader, and I think you described it earlier, Sam, it's really good in terms of don't be afraid of, of acknowledging that there's some areas that you're weak in and actually inviting your team to take a more of a lead role in that situation. Good people who are future leaders want to feel empowered and they get a real buzz from it. It's interesting when you watch lots of leaders and as I progress through banking and then in other roles, I wanted to be given responsibility. I wanted to be able to make decisions and leaders that allowed me to do that. Those are the people I wanted to work for. So I think all those sorts of things, if you do that as a leader and you're empower, but in empowering, sometimes you have to be prepared that the individual, the results might not be as good as if you did it. So how do you handle that situation? How do you handle failure? How do you handle where the business perhaps doesn't do what it should do? Are you supportive or are you really down on the member of staff? And, and that to me then is the culture you'll start to develop about encouraging people to be brave, um, to empower them, um, to accept that on occasions mistakes were made, but from mistakes, as long as there's learnings, you end up in a stronger position. We're obviously talking about this while the pandemic is ongoing. Hopefully we have some light at the end of the tunnel, but we are still really in the crisis. So we're talking about it from the perspective of leadership during the crisis, but actually 
leadership is going to continue afterwards. So how do you develop leadership skills for the good times as well as the bad? It's a bit like if, if you look at marketing, often people say in, in difficult times, that's the first part of the budget that gets cut. But actually, in reality, and you, I'm sure you, you're nodding your head, that's where you should be investing. This is investment. So in terms of the current crisis, and, and as Sam said it, we've experienced shocks and challenges that we've never experienced before. But actually, we've started to learn that actually you can get through this. You don't have to have all the answers. You can be comfortable with that. I don't know all the answers, but actually, this is the route I think we'll take. I think really it is, how do you build on that? How do you take those positives? And this is true of a lot of businesses. They found operational practices that really start to work well. They've pivoted, they've changed how they've, uh, how they've delivered. One of the things in Jersey Business we're really keen to do is try and help those businesses with those learnings. So for example, a lot of businesses have had to improve their uh, internet proposition, their e-com. On the back of e-com comes logistics in terms of how you deliver the products and service. So one of the programs we're really keen to develop now is, is how we can support businesses on that journey so that we have high quality. And so we are looking at the skill sets that were the positives and how can Jersey Business support those to help those business and those leaders and how they develop. And as I mentioned earlier, health and well-being is something which the leader is probably that they will think of themselves the last. So I'm quite keen to push that quite hard. For me, I think there's three really fundamental things that have happened and that I'm wanting to take time to think about in the business to ensure that we remain you know, on track and successful. And I think people have taken time and because of the effect it's had on us personally as well as professionally, people have recalibrated what matters to them. And as a business, you can't ignore that because people are wanting to maybe work in different ways. They're wanting, they're questioning the value of what they're doing, why they're doing it. It's interesting to see the job roles in society that have suddenly been elevated into absolutely critical and vital. And so for me, that's one element is we need to remind ourselves what we're doing and why we're doing it. And back to your point, Graham, making sure that our culture and you, you continue to live your values and you remind yourself of why you're doing it. The, the second thing is the world has changed and it's vital as a business. You sense check that you are still relevant in what you're doing and your core service will probably be relevant, but maybe how you've delivered it might have changed. How your clients want to deal with you might have changed. It's interesting. We we work with some clients who now we could meet face-to-face -face again for meetings, but actually we've all agreed it's way more time effective to continue meeting over Teams. So there's that element of, are we still relevant and can we remain relevant? And I think the other thing is how we measure, because we've worked remotely, we've had to completely rethink how we measure productivity as a business. And outcomes rather than outputs. I love that fisherman analogy. When a fisherman walks through the door and has been out you know, fishing, he says, how did you do? He won't tell you, well, I was out for eight hours. He'll say, I got five fish. You might have caught those fish in one hour or you might have caught it in eight hours. But in the past, you might have measured perceived productivity by desk time and you know, face time in the office. Whereas actually, it's made us all rethink how do we measure our outputs and our success as a business. And if we can achieve that in less time or by working on the beach because it really doesn't matter where you work. That's fine. So for me, those are three key takeaways from as a result of COVID. Helping keep businesses working. This is Review and Renew, the podcast series from Jersey Business. Graham, I want to talk a little bit about something you've mentioned a couple of times now, and that's mental health and well-being. And I think 
these are issues that have been thrown very sharply into focus as a result of the pandemic. But of course, they were always there. Leadership can actually be quite a lonely place. So how do we as leaders protect ourselves? How do we ensure our own mental health and well-being? One of the things uh, through the COVID period, Jersey Business, we've been talking to those business leaders who have been through an experience they never expected, they never anticipated. I don't think anyone anticipated the potential impact of, of what a pandemic could be. And this is a business that they have built up over many years. For a business leader to go through a period where potentially they could see that their business would not continue is incredibly emotional. And these are business leaders who you would never normally see that side of. It's a real challenge. And my fear genuinely is that they're now in the planning mode. They understand in terms of the support schemes that they can start to plan their cash flow more in terms of the importance of that. So all the usual bits that you do as a leader, they will get busy with very, very quickly. And then it'll be about growth and then it'll be about access to capital and all these important things. But they've probably never sat down, gone back and actually thought, how did that really make me feel in the worst situation? And it's not post-traumatic stress, but it could be of something of that order. And if we are not fit and well going forward as leaders, it will come back and catch us up at some point. I found with my team, interesting, we, had, we have two weekly calls and one of the team members just said, actually, I've had a difficult week. I've really not felt good about it. And I'm really kind of stressing out here. And suddenly every one of us chipped in with how we felt personally, whereas previously it was very much talk about business, talk about what we do, talk about the, the volume, the numbers, the stats and all these sorts of things. And ever since then, we've encouraged that to come out. And as leaders, we're probably the worst at it ourselves. So actually, my kind of style is that actually if, if the team see the leader doing it, the leader expressing weakness, it helps support them. But actually, it made me feel a lot better as well. It was genuine when I could say certain things in terms of where I was finding it difficult. So it can be very empowering if you're brave enough to go down that path. And I, and I would encourage leaders to do it. But sometimes we need help because it's not in our nature. I'm interested in your question about loneliness. And I thought, have I ever been lonely as a leader? And I don't think I have. And maybe I've been incredibly lucky in that. But I think you could be lonely if you see that you have no one to talk to. I think the vital thing is, as a leader, is that you may not be able to, just for circumstance, be able to share the nuts and the bolts with your team. So it's even more important that you build a network of support around you, of other leaders, of back to the leading growth program. Great, because it exposed you to other leaders um, from different industries and you could learn from them. And, and by default, we've built relationships because even on the course, you share a lot of information. But I've been very lucky in the past to have been mentored by two different people and I retain that relationship. And by having somebody who's not living and breathing it with you and who you can sit down with and say, what's going on, but you know they're there. You're not talking to them every five minutes. It's maybe every six months, maybe more frequently during recent times. But I think it's really important that you take that time to build that support network. If you're very lucky to work with a partner who is also your partner in, in real life, then for me, that's made my life an awful lot easier because it means I've had somebody I implicitly trust that I've been able to share the journey with. I think you're as lonely as you choose to be as a leader. And if you profess to know everything and you alienate yourself, then yes, you will be lonely, but you don't need to be. We've spoken quite a bit about 
the personal skills that you need as a leader. And, and Graham, you mentioned in one of your answers about culture. Sam, you mentioned about the business world has changed. Customers may want things differently. Looking then to the future, as we drag ourselves out of this situation, thankfully, how do leaders start to relearn about their organisation and their people and their customers? Because if they have changed and cultures have perhaps changed, we're going to have to re-educate ourselves, aren't we, to stay on top of the pile? I think this is the biggest positive coming out of COVID. It's been the burning bridge. If you take Jersey as an example, Jersey economically has been very successful and continues to be so. Part of the challenge when you're successful is how do you have the burning bridge to keep looking at everything you do and the way you deliver? And then, as I say, you potentially become a little bit lazy, a little bit too comfortable and what have you. So COVID, has, has that burning bridge has taught us to look at how we operate, how we look after our staff, how we keep our staff engaged, how we deal with the emotional side, the, the mental health and well-being. So we're probably far better placed to understand those dynamics. But it's also got us thinking about future customer needs and how customers want their service delivered. If you look at the, the technology revolution, that's advanced 10 years in the last 12 months in terms of how we operate. In reality, how many people were using Teams? How many people were using Zoom proactively? And they weren't. So there's lots of different aspects where we'll take some real learnings in terms of how we deliver a service. And I actually think we will have a lot more confidence because we've been through a pretty tough time. We've learned that actually we got through it. We will take so much out of this in terms of how we go forward. And as ever, out of a crisis comes productivity and comes innovation. New ideas, new way of thinking. In Jersey Business, we've seen a number of new startup businesses which are really exciting. So the individual who might have been in finance, who, who was very comfortable, do I take the risk, do I not? Some of them are thinking, actually, this is a catalyst to make me think about that idea that I had. And that is great. It, it makes me think of that phrase, which I use personally and professionally quite a lot, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think that's never been truer because it's been torrid for pretty much everybody, but we have learned so much. And within that, there have been real nuggets of gold that if you take the time and do a good old fashioned SWOT analysis, you know, what are our strengths and weaknesses now post-COVID, looking at our internally, looking at our staff, looking at our infrastructure, looking at our tech? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? And then externally, what are the opportunities and threats we are now facing? And if you can take that time to do those audits as a team and be inspired by that change, not afraid of that change, then you can drive forward and, and take the very best bits of it with you. There's a temptation, isn't there, though, in a, in a crisis particularly, to sugarcoat the reality, to protect our teams, to, I think you mentioned, Sam, you you sometimes can't tell everyone everything that's going on. What's the right way to deal with that? Is it just to be absolutely open, honest and say, this is how it is? Or do you take a softer approach and try and shield your people? I wouldn't necessarily, shield is probably n not the right word. I think through the crisis now, I, I actually have learned that my team are, are really strong. So in other words, it's a, a far more confidence in saying the challenges that we face in terms of, of how we deliver service, how we're funded. Not that I sugarcoated before, but actually, to me, it's far easier to be as clear as you possibly can be. But also, in some instances, there's some things that you can't discuss with them. But actually, to say to them, there's some areas that, are, as yet, I'm not in a position to talk you through for these reasons. 
because I've got the confidence that they'll that they trust me in terms of uh, what I'm trying to achieve. So where I can tell, I will. And I'd encourage you know to do that as early as possible with a team to keep that engagement when it's ready, when the information needs to be delivered to them, we'll deliver it to them as quickly as possible. I read some research recently that was conducted during COVID around leadership and what were the traits that were most needed and demanded of leaders. And number one was honesty. And I don't think you should ever sugarcoat anything because they'll see right through it. I think you can be honest even though you can't tell everything. So it's okay to say, I don't know, or it's okay to say, actually, I can't share that with you, but I'll be able to do X, Y, Z. So I think honesty is absolutely crucial. And the second trait was decisiveness. Although you might have moved into a position where you are working with your team more, you're inviting more input from them, et cetera, et cetera. Ultimately, you have to step up and be the leader and be decisive because that in itself, during a crisis, people are really stressed, really panicked, they're fearful and they need somebody who's decisive, even if two days later, that leader then says, actually, that's changed. I think that someone was talking the other day about Jacinda Ardern in, in New Zealand. She, she made a decision and said, right, we're going to level two. And literally within two days, she said, we're going to level four. And people didn't mind because she was, maybe some did in, in New Zealand, but you know, she was decisive. And I think she has got an awful lot of respect and kudos because she has been honest about saying, I don't have all the answers this is a moving feast. We've never dealt with this before. But then she's also been decisive and it was vital that by being decisive, she engendered confidence and she was more trusted. For me, those are two key traits. You don't need to sugarcoat it, but be honest and be decisive and communicate. One key thing I think in a crisis is you have to be maybe more present than you are normally and which presented its own challenges when we were all working remotely because you couldn't necessarily just have the door open and people come in and out. You had to make a concerted effort to be present and to communicate. But honesty and decisiveness for me are absolutely key. As a leader, sometimes you don't make all the decisions. And in certain situations, you may disagree with the direction a larger organisation goes or what have you. And th th there is a risk that that can frustrate you and you can struggle to get over that. What COVID has taught me is that other leaders have to make decisions and you need to be seen as sometimes if, if you're a sub-leader or what have you, you stick to your principles, but don't overemphasize when actually you may slightly disagree with the decision, but it's been made with the best of intentions by further up the line because otherwise it eats away at you. Your team will then see that. So sometimes a leader needs to support a higher leader's decision as far as the team is concerned and then get on to other things that you can influence, that you can make the decision around. And then you become a productive leader. You're listening to the Jersey Business Podcast. Review and renew. For more business help and advice, go to jerseybusiness.je. We've done this in, in, in previous podcasts in the series. I'm going to ask you to get your, your crystal balls out. And this is something we've discussed in previous episodes about where our economy, where our markets might be going in a post-COVID and, of course, a post-Brexit world, where do you see the opportunities for Jersey businesses and the role that our leaders, local leaders, can play in driving future growth and seizing whatever opportunities come the island's way now? Well, it's interesting. If, if you look at Jersey, Jersey has a very strong financial services industry. And Quite a lot of that activity is cross-border, it's administration, it's banking. 
we've got a real skill set here. And I always often describe Jersey as, as, as like a mini London in terms of the quality of the accountants, the lawyers, the bankers, and the support industries that, that support that. And Jersey is at its best when you can get the key decision makers in a room and strategically move forward very quickly. If I look at this crisis, and it's easy to criticise governments, it's easy to criticise various areas or what have you, but actually Jersey has made decisions at incredible pace in terms of how we moved. And I know for a fact that government now understands the business uh, community, the business sectors, far more than it ever did before because it's had to work with those industries across the sector. Jersey Business, we've, got, we've been able to reach out to many more businesses across a range of sectors. So Jersey, because it's a village, has a real opportunity of being innovative and moving fast. We, are not, we shouldn't be an oil tanker. From government, through Jersey Business, through other ALOs like Digital Jersey and Jersey Finance, through to the individual sectors and the businesses, we should be able to really drive forward change learning from COVID. Because literally we could get the people, the key decision maker in a room together and make a decision and move on. We've got to keep that pace and not get bogged down in over administration and committees and keep that pace. I don't have a crystal ball necessarily, but I'm really excited to see what evolves over the next six months to a year. We've seen through the agency a lot of businesses that are coming to us of startups who either because they've stopped and as a result of COVID, they thought, actually, what really matters to me, I'm going to do that thing I've always wanted to do. And they've dusted down their business plan and they're now launching a new business. Or necessity is the mother of all invention. They've had to because they've lost the job or whatever. And I'm really interested to see those really innovative ideas come to life and see the impact that that has on our economy. And we're seeing businesses of all shapes and sizes and what you know, it's, it's not just tech, it's not just financial, it's, it's you know, new food products, new leisure products, new ways of doing things. So I don't know how it's all going to evolve, but I think it's really generating some exciting new businesses. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Perhaps one of the biggest challenges that we face is how we are going to make sense of the last 12 to 14 months. And at some point, obviously, we need to stop and take stock and, and start to think about all the things we've been talking about in this podcast. And Graham, you mentioned right at the very beginning that we are entering the next phase, which is the recovery phase. Are we at that point now? Are we at the taking stock point? And we're now ready to launch forward or we've got a bit more of this to go, do you think? When is that moment when we can open our eyes and start, as Sam says, to, to seize the exciting opportunities ahead? This is back to the crystal ball in terms of, uh, you know, you look at through the pandemic and the crisis and who would have called the various stages that we go through. One of the things this has taught you is things can happen and you can't always have a business continuity plan that covers every single situation that you do. But what this has in many ways has taught us is be prepared for something that you're not prepared for. How do you react in that situation? How do you behave? In Jersey, I, I, you know, for some of the business leaders, the way they changed, the way Fetch was developed as a business very quickly as an idea, that to me was businesses pivoting, adapting, changing really, really quickly. I think we're in that phase now in terms of the inoculation that's going on with the numbers that we're at, you can start to see the route out of this. We don't know exactly what the new norm will be, but I don't think we're afraid of, of what it might be because we're used to things changing. I don't think it's going to change as much as it has done in the last 12 months. So actually, we can deal with that and we've survived through that. 
it's in a good place. The one thing I do want to retain, though, is the way we could deal at pace through that crisis was probably one of our strongest things. We didn't get it 100% right. Don't worry if you get it 95% right, 90% right. That's, that's pretty damn good. And let's have that bravery from government, from officers, from Jersey business, from the business owners, from the startup business leaders, because actually they're the ones who are often taking the most risk. And it's great to hear what, what Sam was saying and it's what we're seeing. I think also it's really important to remember that not everyone's having the same crisis. And there are some businesses that are in horrendous situations and they're dealing with that and it's a very negative crisis. There are some businesses that have been able to respond and pivot and really actually have had as good a year as ever. They've just been under a little bit more pressure and they're carrying on with it. And there's others who actually, and we had one client who was in crisis because overnight his business absolutely exploded as a result of demand brought on by COVID. So asking when are we going to be out of this, I think it, it's difficult because it depends what industry you're in. It depends how directly you're affected by external circumstances. If you're in hospitality, you're totally dictated to by when borders open, etc. Whereas others who may be smaller, nimble in a different sector are already cracking on and they're coming out of it the other side and already being able to take advantage of those opportunities. So I do think it also depends where you are. I don't think we can talk about it en masse because I think a lot of people are having a very different crisis. Finally, uh, Graham, you used one of the phrases of the coronavirus pandemic, which is the new norm. There are many. <laughs> there are many. But the new norm is one actually that people have been saying almost from the beginning. If there is going to be a new norm, will our leaders of today still look like the leaders of tomorrow? For me, I probably use the wrong phrase there. I think we need to get used to constant change. The leaders of tomorrow will thrive in constant change and will have the confidence to do that. And constant change to me is something which we need to embrace. I think Jersey's in a good place to do that for the reasons I've said before. The new norm, in reality, there won't be a new norm because it'll probably change a week afterwards or a month afterwards or a year afterwards. And you know what? We can deal with that change. But perhaps we just need a, a, not as much as we've had in the last 18 months. Thank you. I think that's a good place to leave it. Sam Watson, Graham Smith, thank you for spending time talking about this. It has been really interesting and informative and inspiring. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like more information and advice on running your business, there is a huge library of resources on the Jersey Business website, jerseybusiness.je, where you can also listen to other podcasts in this series. Thank you for listening and goodbye. To listen to more from the review and renew series of podcasts, visit jerseybusiness.je.